Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. All right, we will talk about year-end giving. Hey, it's almost 2024. And as 2023 is, is winding to an end, many times uh, businesses and individuals, you know, can um, pray and say, God, you know, what, what do you want us to do with the provision that you have given into our lives over this year? Uh, you know, there's different tax advantages and all that to giving to nonprofits, uh, which you guys all know about. Um, and I don't, I don't want to go into it here, but just the place where saying, God, what would you have us do here at the end of the year? And so part of our budget here at Newport Church includes that year in giving pieces. Uh, piece. So I, the invitation is just to pray and ask God, and God, we know that everything we have belongs to you, but what would you like us to do with what you've given us this year? And hear the voice of the Lord, hear the heart of God for your resources and your finances and, and what he would ask you to do. So if uh, we believe, you know, Newport Church is good soil. There's many good soils out there. I know uh, Giving Tuesday's coming up and it's kind of a theme here in Thanksgiving, the end of the year. Um, but we just, yeah, we are a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. And so we want to see what he is doing, expand in our generation in the earth. You know, God has eternity, but we have our generation. <laughs> you know, like that's, we, we're responsible. We have responsibility here and now in our day and age. Amen? So I just want to invite uh, you to consider uh, year-end giving uh, with Newport Church here in the future. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Wasn't worship, oh man, sorry. Just <laughs> Wasn't worship wonderful this morning? Just the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Amen. He is worthy. Amen. So well done, worship team. Thank you so much. Um, but Jesus, thank you so much for your heart. Thank you for your goodness to us, God. Thank you that we can just come as your children and come into your presence and worship and honor you and, and be caught up in your throne room, God. Thank you, Lord, that, we can, that you've invited us into the unity that you have in heaven, the unity that you have between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You welcome us in. God, and we get to honor and bless your name. There is nothing like it, God. There is no one better than you. Amen. Amen. All right, good morning. I bring you greetings from uh, around, around uh, I think everywhere. Yeah, um, the last... Uh, over the last two weekends, uh, first of all, we were with the Dove family in Barbados, uh, in the Caribbean, suffering for Jesus <laughs> there. You know, I mean, somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> and then uh, I just got back last night uh, from Bulgaria, being with the Dove European family. And so I bring greetings from them uh, to you, and they send their greetings and love, uh, part of um, just the, the family that God has given us. You can see represented by the dots over there on the wall. And uh, it's so good to be a part of an international family. Amen. It's so good just to be and, and to hear the testimonies of what God's doing around the earth, to be a part of it, to see what God's doing. And, and we, we, get to, we get to see that and be a part of that. So uh, just bring greetings and love uh, to you from them as well. Uh, in this time. This morning, I'm going to be, be preaching uh, the message that I prepared like two weeks ago. We're going to be talking about baptism. Uh, the name of the message is Fully Immersed, and the scriptures for what I'm going to share this morning is in the church app. If you would like to follow along in the church app, you're welcome to do that. And we're first going to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and I didn't put it, actually put it in my notes, so I'm going to pull it up here quickly. Uh, but this is kind of where we've been focusing the last uh, a little bit when, I, when I've been preaching and we've been, you know, uh, when there were other preachers here, we kind of uh, diverted from that and that's okay. Um, but how many of you appreciated, was it Kevin Kazemi here last weekend? How many of you appreciate it? Oh man, amen. Just a, a good friend uh, in the body of Christ and we love working with him and, and seeing what God uh, does uh, in uh, their ministry as well. Uh, I think a week or two before that, I was out preaching in his church in Ohio and just seeing what God's doing is amazing. And um, I mean, Hebrews chapter six, verse one says there, um, the writer of Hebrews is talking to us. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. 
And then he's going to go in and he's going to tell us what are the elementary principles of Christ. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. We covered that. We preached about that a little while ago. And of faith towards God. We preached about that a little bit ago. And of the doctrine of baptisms. That's what we're going to uh, take on this morning. We're going to unpack that. And the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Amen. We can agree fully with that statement. If God permits us, we're going to keep doing it. So the Greek word for baptize in its various forms, bapso, baptizo, um, baptismo, there's, there's several Greek words, uh, but it all means like washing, cleansing, uh, fully immersed. Um, and there's, you know, there's uh, the a Greek recipe that was uncovered for developing pickles, where you take a cucumber and you wash them, and that's one word for baptism, like you wash it temporarily, and then you stick it in a vinegar solution until, and you put the lid on and you leave it there until everything about the cucumber changes into a pickle right? And that's the word for baptism in Christ. That's the word that's used when we talk about baptism in uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that we are placed into God and we are, we, we remain there until we become a pickle for Jesus, until the way we taste different, we might even shrivel a little bit, you know, but like, you know, until we become uh, something that the world, when the world tastes us, it, it's different than who we are before, who we were before, amen? And so we're going to talk about uh, this baptism here. It's interesting that there in Hebrews chapter 6, verse uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4, it says the doctrine of baptisms, and it's plural, it's not just one baptism. It says baptisms. And, and when you read that, you're like, huh, baptisms. What, what, what does the Bible talk about baptisms? We're going to talk about that here a little bit this morning. But before we do that, we need to understand that the, the, the function of baptism is that we are baptized into something. It's an entrance. We are always baptized into something. We're placed in something, okay? That's what that, that word in its, in its uh, reference means. And so Mark chapter 1, verse 4, we see uh, that John the Baptist uh, appeared, verse 4 says, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So a baptism into repentance to be forgiven. Moses, it's interesting that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, it says, and we were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, Moses didn't go there and like, you know, do what we do baptism today, like baptize them all. It was the fact that in obedience, they followed the cloud, they followed God, and they went through the Red Sea. And Paul says that's a form of Baptism. It's a, it's a representation of baptism. We see in Acts chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, um, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, in Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to look at this scripture a little bit later in our text here, in our message here. But there's this place of we are being baptized into something. God wants, us, wants to put us into something that changes us, changes our nature, changes who we are, and it causes us to be completely different than the way that we were before. So uh, there's, there's uh, several baptisms mentioned in Scripture. There are several baptisms that are talked about. The first one we're going to look at is water baptism. All right, water baptism is uh, something that we see that John the Baptist did. We also see that the apostles did it. They water baptized people. There's the command to repent and be baptized. And it, what it is is this place of a public confession of our inward faith. So God has done something in our hearts. Faith has been stirred. We've, been give, we've laid down our lives to, for Jesus Christ. We have accepted him as our Lord and our Savior. And as a public representation of that, we go into the water, waters of baptism. All right. Uh, the second one that we're going to talk about this morning is Holy Spirit baptism. So this is uh, 
Sometimes it's after salvation. Sometimes it's immediately at salvation where the Holy Spirit baptizes us. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is the one who uh, affects salvation into our lives? Yeah? So Jesus has already died one time for all mankind, right? This is yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, every time somebody comes to the Lord, Jesus doesn't die again. He has already done it for all mankind, for all eternity. So whether you believe in him or not, Jesus has died for you. But for that free gift of salvation to be affected into our lives, to have its effect on us, to be actually saved from our sins, is we have to go and open our lives up and surrender our lives to Jesus, right? So the work is already done, and it's the Holy Spirit that does that affection, uh, that's not the right word, affecting into our lives at the point of salvation. Okay, so, um, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6 says this, and we're just going to cover a bunch of topics here. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In the context of the book of Ephesians, where Paul is writing, and he's writing about like the new man, where it's Jew and Gentile coming to faith in Jesus, coming to faith in God, uh, this is the context of where he writes it. Listen, there's one faith, one father, one baptism, one, you know, one hope of our calling, all of these things. It's not necessarily, sometimes people will, will use this, uh, especially coming from like, like more of a religious background. They'll say, well, there's only one baptism. Why, why, is there, why do you talk about multiple baptisms? Well, it's not talking about the fact that there's uh, like only one instance of baptism, it's talking about we are baptized into the body of Christ. So here at Newport Church, we don't baptize people into a church. Like some churches will baptize you into a local church, a local body. No, when we baptize, you are baptized into the the body of Christ worldwide. You are in the family of God. God has provided a family for you to be connected to. And that's what Ephesians is talking about, that, hey, we're all a part of the family of God out of every race, out of every tribe, out, out of every tongue, out of every background, every, every, out of every socioeconomic level. Like, we are a part of a family. We're a part of the family of God worldwide. It doesn't matter what your background is, but because of faith in Christ, we are connected. And that's what we are baptized into when we uh, go through the waters of baptism. So we're, and that's actually what God has provided for us. You know, you're no longer outsiders. You're no longer strangers or foreigners, but you are part of the family of God, part of the bloodline of God. We, that's what we've, we've come into. So each one of us uh, are a part of this family, Newport Church, which is part of the broader family of the kingdom of God around the earth with all of its differences, with all of its opinions, with all of its doctrine, we're a part of that family. Amen? And we're gonna, we get to spend eternity with one another. Yes! Amen. <laughs> That's exciting. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, it says this, I came to send Jesus, so this is talking about the other baptisms just want to reference it quickly uh, in, in Scripture. Jesus says this, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled, verse 50, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. He's talking about his death, the, the baptism of death that he's talking about there. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water, this is uh, John the Baptist speaking, unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yes! Amen! The Holy Spirit and fire. So the, the thing about baptism is that baptism leaves no part untouched. Right? Like that's, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of like arguments like, is it a sprinkling? Is it immersion? It, it, the, the point is this, that you are so touched by God that there's no part of our lives that is untouched. 
that it changes everything. It, it, it shifts everything in our lives. It's part of what God does. So let's look a little deeper on water baptism first. It's, it's really, water baptism is that faith step, as I explained, and it's really, I, I call it this. Now, this is not like Merle's theological uh, statement of, you know, or, or dogma. This is, this is just like, when we look at scripture and we look at people's ex- experience of coming to Christ, we see this played out over and over and over again. We have a biblical precedent for this, that, that bapti- water baptism is really kind of what I call like the, the uh, culmination of a salvation experience. Thanks, guys. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Uh, it's, a, it's the culmination of a salvation experience. It's like, it's, it's the, the, the finishing of a salvation experience. It's the place of like where you receive Christ, you, dis, you turn your life over to Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you, you take the step, the physical step. Tell your neighbor, say the physical step. All right? And you make a public declaration of that internal faith. You make a public declaration by getting baptized. And it's like, so it's the culmination of the salvation experience. It's like the first step of obedience, right? Because to make Jesus Lord, we're not just like, oh, I give myself to Christ. I make you the Lord of my life. uh, So I get out of hell free and now I can go and do whatever I want and be forever forgiven for whatever I decide to do. That's not what salvation is, right? Salvation is making him Lord. It's lordship. It's, it's um, go into all the world, Matthew 28, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So there's that element of obedience, and many times baptism is kind of that first step of obedience. It's the first step of things actually change in my life. Now, am I saying that you're not going to heaven if you die between the time you give your life to Jesus and the time you get baptized? No, that's not what I'm saying, all right? Okay, just to be clear. But there is this place where God has called our faith to affect our natural life, And so we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says this, then Peter said to them, this is after the Holy Spirit is poured out and Peter stands up and he's preaching, he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it is a symbolic identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We see this in Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. It says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, we certainly, or certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So this is what baptism proclaims. It is, it is like a prophetic promise that, e- that we are identified in Christ's death and resurrection. It's interesting that other religions, uh, many times like um, in certain nations that are, uh, you know, closed, which uh, in Christianity we would say are closed nations or whatever, it's only once you actually get baptized that you actually start to get persecuted. Because all of a sudden it's like, okay, now this is no longer just an internal private matter in your own heart, which we can't prosecute. Now you're actually taking a step that is public. And so it's interesting that even um, other religions start to persecute uh, believers at at the step of baptism. And so, um, you know, it's the point of where you're taking your faith seriously. And so um, we we see this that... um, just jumping ahead here, that God has created this. It's interesting. God has created this so that we have an experiential encounter with our faith. Because when you go into the water, like you feel the water, right? How many of you can remember when you were baptized? 
Yeah, it like imprints a memory on you. I remember barely being able to touch the bottom of the pool. <laughs> okay, like, like going out and, there, and they came and the, and the pastors came and I was on my tippy toes like trying to get my head above the water and they baptized me there, right? Like most of the job was already done. So like, <laughs> you know, like there's this, but you remember it. Like you, you remember it. And, and that's actually something like God has actually created us to have a physical encounter with our faith, that it, it's not just like a, a mental ascent. It's not just like imagine yourself going into the water and imagine yourself coming out. Like, no, you actually go and you physically put action and faith to, your, to the step of obedience in your life, and you have an encounter with God. You have an encounter with your faith. And so God has created us to experience the water, the feeling of being washed, the washing away of the old man. And, and it's, it's also a statement in the spirit realm of who you belong to and who you are now obeying and following. That's what God has ordained in baptism is this encounter. You know, the world wants us to push our faith inward, like it's okay that you believe what you believe, but just be quiet about it. Like, don't, don't share your faith, number one. Don't, don't be weird. Don't, you know, like, don't, don't actually believe what you say internally you believe. The world tries to push you inward. Like, don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, don't, you know, don't allow questions to happen around your life. Don't, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's okay if you believe it in your own home, but don't bring it to school. Right? Or it's okay if you believe it in, in, in church on Sunday, but Monday morning when you come to work, leave it behind. Like that's what the world tries to do. But God has created us to have our faith outwardly expressed in an experiential manner. Right? And God wants us to experience our faith, not just have it internally. And baptism is a picture of that. It's like a stake in the ground moment in our lives that says, no, no, even when the enemy comes against me and says, you were never, you know, you don't belong to the Lord or you're not good enough and you're not, you can be like, no, no, no. I remember when I made Jesus my Lord. I remember I gave my life in, in a symbol of water baptism. It's like a stake in the ground moment. All right. And so you remember it for your entire life. Now, any believer, tell your neighbor, say any believer can baptize somebody. Right, that's what we believe, that, that any believer can baptize somebody. We see this in, in biblical example. In Acts chapter 8, verse 35, we see Philip. Now, Philip was known as an evangelist, but uh, in those days, we see that, that there was just this opportunity that arose, and we'll read it here quickly. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. This is to the Ethiopian eunuch who was in the chariot, verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says, well, you haven't gone through the new believers class yet. No, no, he didn't say that, did he? No, he says, Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And immediately, um, and he answered, he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And as he the, goes on there and he says, as he came up out of the water, Philip was caught away. You know, so there's this place where any believer, and this is why in Newport Church and in Dove International, like for many years and still today, baptisms can be done in life groups, in small groups, in, and like that's, this is just part of living out our faith. Now, we, do, we also do it here sometimes on a Sunday morning where we fill a big water trough and, and people get into it, and that's okay. Why? Because it's a celebration. It's something to be celebrated. As a family of Christ, it's something that we gather around and celebrate people's decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Amen? All right, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we see the, the and, uh, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. This is Jesus speaking to, to the disciples right before he is about to be caught up into heaven. He says, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, so now we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and Jesus likens the two. He's like, in the same way that you were fully immersed, I mean, you got completely wet in water 
you're going to get completely covered with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I don't know about you, but on, and this is our Thanksgiving Sunday, and I don't, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because I couldn't do this life with God without him. Amen? I mean, it, and, and, and it's a lot more fun with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I mean, it's just good. And so I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for the Holy Spirit and just how God has given us. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a good gift from our good heavenly Father. Amen? And so let's talk about Holy Spirit baptism. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. It says, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, What? We have not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now there were about 12 in all. So we see that, you know, uh, when John's baptism was kind of like the picture of baptism of repentance, like this place of saying, God, I, I repent of all of my sin, all the wrong stuff I've done in my life, everything that comes between me and you, I repent and I ask you to wash me clean. And Jesus says, listen, in that same way, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And the same way that he came upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden they start to prophesy and they start to speak in tongues right there as that happens. So, you know, there is a debate in Christian circles um, where, you know, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit immediate or is it subsequent? <laughs> Meaning like, does it happen immediately when you give your life to Jesus and you get baptized or does it happen like sometime after? It's both. The, the reality is it's both. We have biblical precedent for both. There's biblical precedent for both. And so what happens, though, sometimes, you know, when people try and argue and they, they get into, like, theological arguments, especially about the Holy Spirit, and they're trying to explain why they haven't encountered what the Bible says that they can encounter, it's, it's listen, it's both. It is there for every believer, Amen? And if you haven't been filled to overflowing, you haven't been baptized, the Lord wants to bless you with that. Amen? That's, that's there for everybody. It's not just there for special people. Amen? It's there for everyone. All right? So receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, Luke actually uses those terms interchangeably, uh, which is interesting. So Let's go to John chapter 20, verse 21 to 23. So Jesus said to them, peace, be, uh, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is before Acts chapter 2. This is before Jesus had been to the cross, Right? And Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there wasn't any like powerful manifestation that we see in Acts chapter 2 of them prophesying, of them speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. There, there's no demonstration of that, but they receive the Holy Spirit. How do we know they receive the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus says, when, when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit and blows on you, guess what? You receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right? And so um, we see in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, as they were assembled together, verse 4, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Tell your neighbor, say the promise of the Father. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. He said, and you have heard me say, verse 5, John truly baptized in water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Listen, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, those are all good gifts from our Heavenly Father. 
They're all good gifts from our Heavenly Father. Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus is talking, and, and, and he's talking about like not giving, you, know, you being evil, how many of you would give, if your son asks you for bread, you would give him a stone, right? If he asked you for, for fish, you would give him a snake. And then in verse 13, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen? That's a good gift. It's a gift of our good heavenly father. Listen, it's, it's not just that we get the Holy Spirit to feel goosebumps on a Sunday morning. No, it's not just that we get the gift of the Holy Spirit to like feel good about ourselves and, and to pray in tongues and to, to prophesy and to, I mean, th- those things happen, but we get the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us in life. He leads us in truth, not just spiritual truth, but man, the Holy Spirit will speak to us about our business. He'll speak to us about our relationships. How many of you have like done something and then you get this check in your heart like you need to go back to your spouse and and, um, (laughs) apologize? Guess who that is? The Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Like he, and he uses our conscience. He'll speak and minister to us through our conscience sometimes. And so the Holy Spirit leads us in life, gives us divine ideas. It helps us. I remember uh, the testimony of a man who was, who was trying to, he, he sold vehicles and, or, or something like that. And he was working with his computer system and the, and the computer system, like uh, he couldn't add any more inventories or stores into the system. It was, it was like, they said, well, you're going to have to buy totally new software. And he's like, I don't have the money to buy a new software. And in a dream in the middle of the night, he gets this picture of him sitting down and getting computer language. He didn't know how to code at all, but how to log in, gets the password to log in and, and go into the computer language and put it in there. And he just, so he, he does it. Like he goes, sits down at the computer, goes into the computer program, something he doesn't know how to do, and puts this code in, and all of a sudden, hits return, and boom, it works. It adjusted the code in the computer program. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit can do for us too. Amen? He's, he helps lead us in our lives. You and I, we, when we follow God and we live our lives in such a way that it's in obedience to the Lord Jesus and we live with, a, with our connection with the Holy Spirit, we have a divine advantage. Tell your neighbor, say, the divine advantage. You, you, you know, and it's not that we don't have any troubles. It's not that we don't have any challenges. It's that we have help in the midst of troubles and challenges to help to overcome. Amen? And we can expect that. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does for us. That's why we have, uh, he's there as um, a good gift from our Heavenly Father. Now, why does God do that for us, with us? Just to give us a better life than everybody else? Like, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) no, it's not. It's not to give us a better life than everybody else. It is part of our witness, to the world. I'm saying, listen, remember, remember uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, I think it's verse 20, where Jesus blocks, or God the Father blocks the way to the tree of life? Remember that? We've talked about that several times. And like, well, why, why did God block the way to the tree of life? It's so that in man's broken state, they didn't eat of the tree of life and be eternally broken, Right? And it's as if God says, listen, I'm going to allow you to live in a world that you have chosen. I'm going to allow you to live and experience what it's like to be apart from me. I'm going to allow you to live in a world where you see the testimony of what happens when mankind lives apart from God. But in that world, I am going to provide a witness I'm going to provide a people who are set apart for my name. And as they follow me, they will be an example of what it's like to live with me. And this is part of the witness of Christ. It's not just, uh, uh, we, we can see this here in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. Tell your neighbor, say, <coughs> Excuse me, don't tell them that. <coughs> tell your neighbor, say, power. <laughs> Sorry, jet lag caught up with me a little bit. <coughs> Flem from the airplane. Anyway, um, 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there is power released in our lives. Jesus doesn't say you shall receive power to evangelize. Now, is evangelism important? Yes. But you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Everything about your life, everything about my life needs to be a testimony to the power and the presence of God in us. And, and listen, that's, in, you know, that's, that's the goal. That's the purpose of the church. Ephesians talks about to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to principalities, powers, and rulers in spiritual places that, that we become this manifestation of God's heart of an, of an alternative way to live to the systems of this world that is broken and battered and beaten by sin so that when people encounter us and they taste us, they taste the power of Christ. This is why the enemy works so hard to change the narrative in society about the church. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to convince people that the church is hateful? Because if they actually experienced the church in her glory, they would be changed by the power of God. They would say, of course I want to follow Jesus. And so the enemy works so hard to breed deception in society to say, ignore the church. They're irrelevant. They don't have anything. You know, and, and, and tries to shut down people's hearts so that there's no place of even encounter with God. That's why the enemy works so hard in that because he is afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit in you and me and the life of the church. Now listen, does the church get it right? And I say the church. Do people in the church get it right all the time? No. Are there terrible things that have happened through people who call themselves Christians? Yes. Guess what? There's also terrible things that happen through people who call themselves unchristians. And actually a lot worse. <laughs> but it's not... It's not you know, this is what God wants us to be. This is, what we, this is what we aim for, right? Is this witness. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps lead us be in being that witness. And it, when in the parts of our lives that are unyielded, guess what? We don't see the fruit. And that's for everybody, whether, you know, a leader or whether, uh, you know, just... Uh, someone who doesn't feel like they have any responsibility. Each one of us has a responsibility to follow the Lord. All right, let's move on. That was for free. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an observable event. It's an observable event. Every place in Scripture where the Holy Spirit is poured out in power, everyone saw something. It's an observable event. In, in every instance... In Scripture, except one, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. In one Scripture, it doesn't tell us what they saw, but it just says that they saw the Holy Spirit come upon them, okay? So I know that there's arguments out there like speaking in tongues is the, is the one and only sign, you know? Well, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is more than just speaking in tongues, okay? And so we're not here to argue that. But it, it, we do see that in Scripture, it is something that happens, okay? And the Bible talks about tongues of men and tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So tongues where it's not just um, um, translated, but interpreted. That's why the gift, of, the gift of the Holy Spirit of tongues and interpretation of tongues, it's not tongues and translation of tongues, where like I hear something I understand, it's I hear something and the Spirit of God speaks to me an interpretation of what is being said and communicated. And that's why like, um, you know, our finite minds, we're limited by our vocabulary, right? We're limited by our vocabulary to, and so what happens is uh, that's what the gift of tongues does especially the prayer language of tongues. When, it, when it, we talk about a prayer language versus a message in tongues, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about both, where it, it actually, we, we encounter God outside of the limitations of the language that we understand. And so tongues allows us to express the inexpressible. 
It allows us to pray and be in connection to God because the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, when you pray in tongues, you're talking mysteries to God. And this is like, man, my relationship with God, praise God, is not limited by my understanding of the English language. Like, have, have you ever... In relationship with like the, the one you love, your spouse, you know, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your, your parents or something like that, like someone that you, and, and, and you struggle to find the words. Anyone ever ex- experienced that where you struggle to find the words? Yeah? Guess what? We don't have to have that encounter with God where we, when we struggle to find the words, we get to go into tongues and, and the, the volumes of our heart are poured out before God and he understands it even if we don't. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And that's, that's, it's just part of the provision of God, part of the provision of the Father. It says, you know what, it, you know, because imagine, imagine maybe, you know, I, maybe I struggle with languages, right? Or maybe, I mean, think back through time. Not everyone can read. Not everyone can, you know, maybe, maybe uh, the vocabulary is very limited. Well, guess what? That's not a limiting factor for God. Amen. Isn't that incredible how God has provided that? Amen. And, and we get to sing the songs of our heart to our Heavenly Father and just and, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister and speak through us. And that actually becomes an observable event. We see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 47. There's all kinds of places we see it. But where we see this is when Cornelius and, and Peter is preaching to Cornelius and Cornelius had had a divine visitation with an angel and says, send for Peter. And Peter has this, this divine encounter with a sheet being lowered and, and, and God telling him what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. And so Peter's like, okay, I got a Holy Spirit check here, right? Like I got like a, a redirection here in my life. And at the same time, then, you know, these guys come knocking at the door. It's the servants of Cornelius and they say, come. And so Peter comes and Cornelius is there. Yes, you're here and Peter's like I'm here <laughs> why <laughs> you know and so eventually Peter figures out oh it's to preach the gospel well you're gentle you're a Roman like you're the enemy of what we know as God's people and Peter preaches the gospel and as he as faith turns on in the hearts of Cornelius and his household the Holy Spirit falls on them and they start to prophesy and speak in tongues and have this ecstatic encounter with the Lord and and Peter and everybody else who's with him are like well I what do we do now like I guess I guess we baptize them because they're encountering the Holy Spirit the exact same way that we did God must not be a respecter of persons God must not be a respecter of persons. And even he's pouring out his love upon the Gentiles. And that is why, brothers and sisters, you and I can sit here today in relationship with God without being second-class citizens to somebody who understands the Hebrew culture. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Yeah, come on, praise God. All because the Holy Spirit came and Peter observed it. They observed, they saw it, and... He started to fall. Uh, Actually, I don't think I got that part in the scripture there yet. Uh, Verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Amen. Acts chapter two, verses one to four, we're kind of, land this plane here this morning. Let's just pause for a second. Holy Holy Spirit, would you just prepare our hearts for what you want to do here? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter two, verses one to four says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on each one. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with the tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That word filled means filled to the brim, filled to overflowing. 
filled to overflowing. In Acts chapter 4, these, some of these same people, Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, and then they had prayed, and when they had prayed, so th- uh, just to put this in context, there was a threat that came against them. They were threatened as the people of God, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. Don't be, sh- don't be spreading this news in Jerusalem any longer. And so it, in a pl- from a place of fear and intimidation, they say, God, look on their threats. Look at what we're dealing with. God, we need help. Anyone ever need help? Amen? Like that's where, that's where we lean into the Holy Spirit. It's not that we never are afraid. It's not that we never have to deal with fear and anxiety and all those things. It's in that place of fear and anxiety. We turn to the Lord and we say, God, we need your help. You know our frame. You know that, we need, that, that apart from you, we can do nothing. You know us, God. You know our frailty. And so there's this place of saying, God, we recognize our utter dependence upon you. And that's where they were in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell me never say all. all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. There's boldness that's released. Amen? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, we'll cover this some other time, but just so you know about it, and I, I know many of you already know about it, probably everyone here, and praise God, that's good. Excuse me. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, talks about spiritual gifts. Um, and goes on there in verse 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and, and beyond. Where Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Every believer is called to not be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. Amen? All right? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of, him, think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in ministering. If he teaches in teaching, and exhort, and he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's this place where God has, has given each person and gifts, and and though uh, this isn't spirit, uh, um, defi- this isn't only spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit here. This is part of who God has made you to be in your personality. There's strengths that you have, and there's uh, you know the strengths then also mean there's areas that we're not strong in. All right, but there's this place where God says, "Listen, don't think of yourself more." highly than you ought to think, but think of yourself in the way that God has given you gifts." in the way that God has given you strengths. And so many times in a religious culture, we're actually told to deny the strengths we have. Like, you're, oh, you're really good at that. Oh, it's not me, it's the Lord. We know. <laughs> like, yes, of course, but it's how God is working through you, you know? Like, and, and, but what happens is you know, that gets flipped around and instead of saying, well, this is how God is, is working with me and, and this, is what I, this is my area of particular strength in life, we're, we ha- we're, we're told by the world to deny that, that, deny those things and just strengthen your weaknesses. And we're not talking about moral weaknesses, right? God is a master st- a strategist. The gen- the, what we need... This is, I fully believe this, that what we need to see the kingdom of God come in our generation is already deposited in the strengths of everybody here. And if we, if we walk in those strengths, not more than we are, but we fully recognize, hey, this is who God has called me to be. This is like my specialty. This is my focus. And guess what? Somebody else's specialty and focus covers where I'm not strong. And we walk in unity with one another. We walk in, in, in that place of heart. Then we can see what God has destined for our generation be released in our day. Amen? It's already deposited in each one. I fully believe this. This is why it's important that we learn in our relationship with God, that we learn who he is, but he, we also learn who he calls us to be. We learn... What is the thing that 
that we call, so many, so many of us live our life being uh, filled with shame or guilt of not being what we see in other people. That's not God's call for our life. That's not God's call for us. We need to know who God has spoken over us to be. Amen? And then build relationship and unity with people who aren't like us. Too many times we only want to hang out with people who are already like us. <laughs> right? All right? And that's what the church is. That's what the church Anyway, we'll, we'll move forward. Okay, you got the point. Amen? All right, Romans chapter 12. All right, you got the point. First uh, Corinthians 14 is, is talking about um, when we gather together in a church service. It talks about uh, different gifts. You know, I, I, I um, desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy, verse 1. It goes, goes down through and talks about, you know, praying in tongues. And it talks about speaking a message in tongues and interpretation for the need of that, all that kind of stuff. John chapter 17 we're going to end this. Um, my time is up here. Jesus pray, praying for all believers in verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20, he's praying. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the whole world may believe that you sent me. And goes on, talks about the glory that, that God had given Jesus to, to be excuse me, in, our, in us as well and is our portion. And the part of this is that God's heart for baptism, God's heart for the Holy Spirit baptism is that when we, we that we, uh, you know, baptism in water is us being placed into the body of Christ. That's us being placed into the body of Christ. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is God being placed into us, right? So it's Baptism in water is us being placed into God. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is God being placed into us. Amen? Because baptism is about being placed into something. And so there's this full reciprocal thing that happens where we become completely dependent upon him. Can we stand? Worship team, you can come. Hallelujah. Good stuff. The doctrine of baptisms. Come on. 45 minutes. <laughs> Boom. Drop the mic. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just enjoy the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit because he's, he's already here. You know, I, let, let me just talk about this. You know, sometimes we sing songs and, and, and we sing songs that are written by songwriters, and that's good, right? But there's this place where, uh, you know, if, if, if a word isn't necessarily, like sometimes we say, like, God come. The reality is God's already here right? So, and what we're asking is, God, come in a way that we observe you, <laughs> right? Like, and so my encouragement is, like, y- you know, you have the presence of Jesus, whether you feel like it or not. Yes. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit, whether you feel like it or not, right? And so there can be this place. We can either live out of a place of longing, like longing for what we don't feel like we have, or we can live from a place of saying, God, I choose to love your presence. Whether I feel you right now, I know that I love your presence. I know that I love what you have for me. Amen? And so my encouragement, let's live life, let's live our lives out of a place of revelation from the word of God, saying, God, we, we know and fully expect that what you say you have given to us in your word, we can have. What you say you've given to us in your word, that you've never leave, you'll never leave us, you never forsake us. Now listen, if there's sin in our life that blocks our relationship with God, that's why it's important to get clean, right? That's why it's important to, to repent and say, God, forgive me of this thing that blocks, that keeps a part of my life or keeps my entire life from living in the fullness of what you've called me to be. That's why repentance is important. And we just go and we get washed and we get clean and we get free to enjoy all that he has given to us. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, he has given to us. Amen? Religion tries to tell you you can't have stuff, you're not good enough, you need to do this, that first. No, no, no. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace. And the enemy tries to convince you that, like, you know, you're not worthy enough, not powerful enough, not enough, not enough, whatever. This, sometimes we listen too much to the enemy's voice. And we just need to listen to God's voice. It says, you're beloved. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. You have inheritance in me. Come into alignment with me. There's a place of coming into alignment of complete and utter surrender and being completely dependent upon him. Saying, God, we need you. More than anything else, we need you, God. And we love you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you walk with us on a daily basis. If, you've, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there's an invitation for you to do that this morning. It's not about a prayer that you repeat after me. It's about the position of your heart of saying, God, I surrender. I surrender my life into your hands. If you're here and you've never actually encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know, has, has, has helped come shift you from darkness to light, but you, you say, you know, I don't, I don't live daily in the power that God has provided for me to live in. You can. You can. And so there's this place of just receiving, you know, if you want a prayer for baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, I think there's elders here and ministry team, and we'll, we'll stay here and we'll just pray uh, for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you, you say, well, how do I know if I'm filled? You, you'll know. It's observable. It's up to God, not us. <laughs> right? It's just, you know. And sometimes I remember for me how it happened was I was in a Sunday school class as a young child, and I'd given my life to Jesus already, and they were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were saying, you know, you need to ask, because the Bible says, we read the scripture, that God, who is a good God, gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask, right? I was like, you know, I don't know that I've actually ever verbalized to God, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? So I went home that night. You know, it wasn't something that happened. I went home that night, sat on my bed, and I was like, God, I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to try and pray in tongues now so that I know. And I went, Koraba. Okay, I'm filled. Laid down, went to bed. <laughs> you know? It's just... That simple logic, right? And then a few years later, um, I think probably around the age of 13, I was at a youth meeting, and they were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had the Holy Spirit before he went into the wilderness. It says the Holy, he was led by the Holy Spirit in John chap, uh, Luke chapter 4 into the Holy Spirit. And then it says that he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what's for us, is the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember at the age of 13 and being at a youth meeting where they were praying for an infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember looking down the line, like we were all kind of lined up in the front, and they were praying for people, and like sometimes people would fall over or sometimes people would shout out in tongues or whatever. And I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm, I just, I give myself to you. And all of a sudden, like I started losing my balance I was like, okay, this is weird. You know, like, Lord, I just, I totally just give myself to you. And I think before they even got to me, like somehow beside me, I think they were praying. And I was already like, whoa. And they started to pray for me. And it was like, boom. In the back of my mind, like I, I heard things, but it was almost like it was in the distance. I just heard all these chairs clattering, <laughs> you know, and like, when I, when I came to full consciousness, it wasn't that I was, you know, out of control, out of my body, out of consciousness, but it, there was this place of just being into the glory of God. And it was like everything else just kind of fades away in that moment. And as, as that, that experience started to lift, like I came out of that and I realized that I had taken out like a bunch of rows of chairs, you know, like just because I was kind of, I've only grown three inches since I was 13. So like, like I was a big kid, you know, just, anyway. So Lord, if you have this for any of us, Father, whether it's salvation, whether it's come to you for, coming to you for the first time, Lord, maybe there's people here or listening online under the sound of my voice that haven't taken the step of obedience to be baptized, to say, I'm, I'm actually going to take my internal faith and express it in the natural in a stake in the moment ground that says that is a proclamation to myself and a proclamation to, a proclamation to the spiritual world and those around me that I have decided to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And Lord, if that's true, I just ask uh, that you would move on their hearts. But also, if, if you recognize that's true, I think maybe God might already be talking to you about being baptized. And so you can just tell us and, and we'll baptize you, whether in a, in a swimming pool, whether we have to break the ice. <laughs> That'll be David's job. Um, you know, like, 
<laughs> or, or in a life group, in a bathtub, whatever. It's about making that decision. If you never made that, I, I think, you know, there's probably some people here that say, you know, I need to do that. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, we want to pray for that as well. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here in our midst. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you draw us into the Father. We thank you that we can be led by you and we recognize our complete and utter dependence upon you. In Jesus' name. So if you want to uh, respond to that or receive prayer in any way, we're just gonna take a moment here. The worship team is gonna lead us in prayer and or you're gonna lead us in song. And uh, if you would like to be uh, receive prayer of any for anything, please come forward. But specifically, if you want to give your life to Jesus as well or be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, please feel free to come. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.